Mark Tapper. Someone set up us the bond. We get signal. What? Main screen turn on. It's you. How are you gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. What you say? You have no chance to survive make your time. Ha ha ha. and users once again it is time for another issue of old nerds drinking i am john patrick mcp your master control program here again with me is me rojan yeah. <laughs> I, I always get thrown off when you do that when you when you kind of like throw the ball at me i'm yeah. kind of like standing there and the ball like bounces off of my chest i'm like oh yeah i'm supposed to speak now so what are you drinking tonight uh rojan i am drinking the rochester mills blueberry pancake um, to be honest with you, it's, it's okay. Well, then again, I've, I've, my love for Rochester Mills, um, beers has been discussed on here many times. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's a couple of other new ones out that I was going to try, but just didn't get around to it. And I also have, you're going to shoot me for this because I really am trying to watch my weight. I have a can of truly pineapple hard seltzer sitting here. Mm. Um, I am a fan of the hard seltzers. I realize that they taste like static television, but, um, I, I am somewhat overweight at rather portly, um, Rubenesque, and somewhat known as a fat ass. So I'm really trying to like watch what I drink right now and what I eat as oh. I sit here and shove nan bread with um, hummus into my mouth. So yeah, I'm doing real well on that. Well, How are you? Well, like the majestic walrus, I have a uh, layer of blubber that I use to keep myself warm in the wintertime. Um, it's an insulating layer of body fat. There's no shame in that. Yeah. I'm drinking uh, another one of my handcrafted gin mules um, with that Bundaberg uh, ginger beer. And, man, it's tasty. Tweaking the recipe a little bit because um, it's the middle of winter. I don't have fresh mint leaves, so I'm using mint or mint simple syrup. And last time, the recipe calls for one full ounce of simple syrup. And that was just too overpoweringly minty. So now I'm going... Um, uh, an ounce of simple syrup, but half the mint sil simple syrup and like half regular simple syrup. And I think there's the name of the episode right there. Overpoweringly minty. <laughs> Overpoweringly mint. Oh, that's that's the name of the episode. There we go. But yeah, it's been a crazy week this last week. Uh, Monday was President's Day, so the kids didn't have school. Tuesday was snow day because we got nine inches of snow for the first time in three years. I need to go off on a story, a slight ranty story. Okay. By all means, so go bill, ahead. I had a bill that was due this week, and the wife was like, this bill has to be paid this week. It's got to be paid on Monday. You got to go up to the bank and pay this bill. And Monday was a very hectic and busy day for me. 
the boss was like, hey, I need you to come into work on Monday. We're going to get this done. We're going to get that done, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I get off of work at this time. The bank closes at this time. I have to go up and get money out of the bank to be able to go over and pay this bill at the other bank, et cetera, so on. Here's me running my ass off. I get to work. Boss doesn't show up for work that day. And I needed the boss there that particular day to give me what to do. And he was just like, I'm not coming in today, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, son of a bitch, you know? So I'm like, all right, well, I'm leaving. So I bust my ass to go up and get money from bank A, go over, you know, go to credit union and I go over to the bank to pay this bill. I get there thinking the bank's just about to close and I get there and the bank is closed. And I'm like, no, the bank closes at X time. I am here at Y. What the hell is going on? Then I'm like, drive around the front of the building. It's President's Day. The bank is closed. Yep. So I ran my ass off, like sweet, like sweating my balls off, trying to freaking, freaking out. And of course, Tuesday I had to work. So I'm like, well, I need to get off work a little bit early so I can make it to the bank to pay said bill, which I did do. I made it in time. It was close. But still, it was like, I get off at this time. The bank closes at this time. I have to hurry to get there. Traffic. And and I think that was the day the snowstorm hit, I believe. Um, it started snowing at night. So we woke up in the morning and had the big dump of snow. <laughs> I have an electric snow. But I got tired of dealing with carburetors and all that crap. So we got this really cool brand new one for like 25 bucks at a yard sale. I'm like, hmm, no gasoline, no dealing with carburetors in cold weather. Just got to deal with an extension cord. I'll take it. No problem. 25 bucks. Sure. Let's go. So um, we have this um, we have a very hardcore politically oriented person in my neighborhood who drives a big, super giant lifted uh, mega pickup truck. Um, he has flags on the back of it and so forth. And um, I tolerate the guy. I'm friendly to him or whatever. But he's like, he's like, he's plowing the street just because, like, he can. It's like, look at me, I can plow the street, whatever, dude. <laughs> because he has to justify that uh, penis extension he's got on the front of his truck. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he pulls up and rolls down the window. Like he's given me grief before because I drive a hybrid, not because I'm like some hardcore environmentalist, um, liberal, mega Democrat. Fuck I no, we're cheap. Price on it. Yeah, I got a really good price on it, and I plug it in, and I drive around the town that I live in because everything's within 10 miles of my house, and I very seldom ever use gas in it. It's great. Very rarely do I use gas. So, and I'm like, whatever. I'm not trying to make a political statement by doing this or anything like that. So anyhow, he pulls up, and he rolls down his window, and he's all like, and I had earbuds in, but I have these earbuds that go way deep into my ears. They're like earplug earbuds. They're great for when I'm riding my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So I've got my music blasting. I think I was listening to, uh, I was listening to Menace. And he's all smiling and i'm like yeah yeah you know i'm like giving him a thumbs up i have no idea what the hell the guy's saying at all and he's like and i've got my snowblower and i'm like i really just want to get back to work because i'm doing my yard and i'm doing the neighbors next to me who doesn't have a snowblower or a lawnmower and she's buried under a foot of snow so i'm trying to be the nice guy and i'm like i really don't want to be out here doing this but i got to deal with you know, Mr. Flags on the back of the pickup truck, you know, take away my guns and die kind of guy, you know. And uh, I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah. So the whole time I have no idea what the hell he's saying to me. I'm just going, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. And I'm thumbs up and I'm stuff, you know. I'm kind of just reading the facial expressions thinking like he's asking a question, you know. He he probably could have said something like, you want me to kill a bunch of people, leave them on your front porch. And I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be great, you know. <laughs> so 
Yeah, here's all, here's me snow blowing with this little tiny snow blower. It's got like maybe a foot and two inches on the front of it. It's great for like doing like pathways and stuff, but to do a whole yard in a drive, you got to make stuff, like three sweeps or three uh, yeah passes it's with really it. Not made for it. And then I've got the long extension cord dragging behind me, so I'm tripping all over the thing. The ground's all icy and it's garbage day, so all the snow that I just blew onto like these neat little piles, I'm like shit now i gotta bring the garbage cans out so i gotta go out there and cut a path with the snowblower into the grass to put the snow the garbage cans out there it was a lot of fun it was a lot of work promptly i came into the house and downed a whole bunch of of pink lemonade moonshine that i make which i refer to as pink panty dropper if anybody is interested and yes it does do the job but um so yeah that's that's my crazy hella story of dealing with things to do and snowstorm and snowstorms for the week i've had the rest of the week off and up till today Today was the first day I had to put pants on to go out and get my paycheck and go to the store. And then I promptly came back home, took off my pants, put my basketball shorts back on, and now I'm here. Nice. Right nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have children. So even though my snowblower hasn't worked in three years, my show, my snow is shoveled by my children. <laughs> and and yes. I uh, – one Child of my – labor laws. <laughs> oh, man. And it's so funny because one of my friends – like he he was posted on Facebook like hey are there any enterprising kids who who want to come over and shovel my walk because my two teenagers won't do it I'm like what do you mean they won't they live in your house it's like yes I understand they're like 14 and 12 but you know what that means it means today's Wi-Fi password is shovel the damn walk hello yeah I'm here hello yeah, I lost you. I heard today's Wi-Fi. Wait, that was it. You're gone. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's Skype because I lost you at a couple of points too. Thank you, okay. Skype. Well, anyways. Yeah, but this, this is this is a momentous occasion, uh, row because for the first time in the history of this podcast, we are operating without an outline. No nut. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I know you're okay with I it because you, you always ignore my perfectly put together outlines anyways. Well, it's not that. I, I ignore your outlines because I know that one of us is in control. I know that I know that no matter what, there's somebody steering the, the wheel of the car. Um, not today, so sir. Not, not today. Not today. But we're going to be okay, though, because we, we do have things that we want to talk about. Um, so I'll leave, since we don't have any kind of a roadmap or anything to follow, and we do have topics that we want to cover, um, I'll get us started. There is a movie on Netflix right now that me and you both love. Oh, yeah. We, at least I think you love it. Oh, yeah. Um, we both watch Space, ah, Space Sweepers on Netflix. And Space Sweepers, if you're listening to this show, you're probably going to like it. It's a Korean movie, but it, it more or less, it, it's... In my opinion, it's it's Cowboy Bebop. It yeah. isn't Cowboy Bebop, but it is. Yeah, it, um, it it definitely, if there was a Venn diagram, it would cross between, like, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Firefly, little bit of The Expanse. But, yeah, it, it, is, it is a great movie. Absolutely. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it is overdubbed, and I'm not normally a fan of these kinds of things. Well, um, and then that's the funny thing is... It's, it's dubbed, not all over dubbed yeah. Big, it's dubbed, but there are many characters in the movie who are speaking English, and Correct. it really and I love that because it captures this feel that, you know, when we do get to a society where space is commonplace, it's just going to be like here on Earth. There's not going to be everybody speaking English. 
Um, well, that was kind of how it was in Firefly, too. You yeah. Know, there was different, you know, they spoke Mandarin and things like that in Firefly as well. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, again, it hits all of the perfect notes that for something I, I want to see more. I want to see another one of these movies because you've got a character in here like there's a robot character, which turns out to be female. But you can't really tell because it's got a robot voice to it. Right. Um, and the robot's cool as hell. There's a guy in the show that, like, the engineering guy, the main engine guy. He's like this former drug dealer, gangster kind All of right, guy. So, so let's let's go over the plot real quick. Um, yep. So it's some I think like a hundred years in the future. That's um, 2092. 2092. So yeah. Yeah, I'm on, I'm actually on the Wikipedia right now. If you want me to read mm-hmm. some of it, you go. Yeah, go go ahead and read the uh, plot synopsis off. Of okay. It. Short summary. It's actually pretty long, but I'll I'll read the basics of it. Short summary. In 2092, the Earth is contaminated and sickened, making it almost impossible for humans to live. So UTS built a new home for humans on Earth's satellite orbit, but only a select few could live in it. The crew members of the space junk collector, I can't pronounce it, victory, it means victory in Korean is what it means, have their own stories and live by disposing of garbage in orbit. So basically, it's these. there's these people that their job is to go around and they're garbage hunters. They collect old spaceships, satellites, and things like that, and they turn them in for scrap. They get what they can out of them, and that's how they make their money. There is a giant like floating factory above the Earth which is kind of like the ghetto. It's the city that everybody goes to. They call it the factory because ships are made there and everything like that. So that's kind of where everybody lives. And then at the same time, there's Mars, which is being terraformed into like a new Earth. It's like where the rich people go. It's really nice there. Um, And Earth is more or less falling into a state of disarray and repair. You know, it's the typical apocalyptic Earth. We've ruined the planet. The air is poor. The planet's falling apart. People are dying. That's where all the poor people and the people who can't afford to move. So you got the lower class and the upper class, upper class on Mars, lower class on Earth, and the factory floating around Earth. So this is, um, and you can pick it up for here. That's basically the gist of the story is that um, it's just these misfits that are flying this ship and they're out right. there just, everybody's trying to chase down these like fines for garbage and, and like for good space junk to make as much money off these things as they can. So um, go ahead and pick it up from here if you want. So they, while they're out scavenging, they find this, uh, it's a spaceship and inside the spaceship is a little girl and come to find out the little girl is actually supposedly a robot uh, who has a hydrogen bomb in her. So there's a lot of cuteness of them having this little girl on their ship and being afraid that she's going to explode all the time. And the, uh, the conflict of the plot comes from them trying to ransom this little girl robot back so they can make a bunch of money to keep their ship running. Because, like... Like Firefly, like Cowboy Bebop, they're constantly broke. The movie hits every note with me. The characters were funny. The storyline was cool and believable. It's another one of those things where I I frequently talk about on this show how I like movies that build very good worlds around them. Yeah. Like this is one of those things where I've said, like when I watch a movie and I say to myself, wow, I could really play a game in this world, like some kind of an RPG or something like that. I could totally see other things happening. This is this is a world that has a lot of things going on in it outside of just these characters. And the the world the world building was very rich in it. The story was very good. The actors were very good, even though it was overdubbed. Um, 
I, I really liked it a lot, you know, and yeah. very seldom do I, there's a show called uh, dark that's on Netflix as well. It's a German show. And that was the same thing for me. It was like, wow, this is really cool. Even though it's overdubbed. Um, you had asked me before the show, if I watched the subtitled version of it, I have a really hard time watching subtitled movies because I find myself bouncing back and forth between the subtitles and watching the movies. And I find it really distracting. Some people can do that. I can't, it drives me nuts. The only movie that I've ever done that with was Brotherhood of the Wolf because I knew somebody who did the sound in that movie. So I didn't mind watching it with the subtitles in it because I had kind of an attachment to it for whatever reason. Right. But um, yeah, watch this movie. Go find it on Netflix. Give it a watch. If you are a Firefly fan, if you are a Cowboy Bebop fan um, or a fan of that type of movies, this is it. This movie yeah. is great. And so. I mean, it's. The space scenes aren't quite a, a, as scientifically accurate as The Expanse, but then again, nobody's really gotten it as good as The Expanse. But it's it's the the spaceship scenes are done really well. The just the uni- like you said, they did a lot of good world building in the universe. It's a beautifully done movie. Um, I'm really, I really enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. a great just sit down and watch, and especially because. I haven't watched a movie pretty much since the lockdown. Like I think when 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 the lockdown first came out, Disney had put a couple of movies that they were going to release in theaters on Disney Plus that I watched with my kids, but I mean, I'm not the kind of person who just like sits around and constantly rewatches old movie the same movies or and like I didn't go do a Marvel Universe cinematic universe rewatch. I like Yeah. In fact, for most of the uh, most of the lockdown, I have not watched a lot of TV. I have um, lately. I've been discovering. Well, there's this big because of the lockdown and because of Hollywood being shut down in their productions and stuff like that. When lockdown hit, everybody started binge watching everything because we had nothing else that we could do. Right. So, and then after that point, we all hit a brick wall. It was like, okay, we've watched everything we can watch. There's nothing new coming out for quite some time. So, I think all of these companies went on this mad scramble to try to find the like space sweepers like these movies that normally probably wouldn't have gotten a second look but because people are so desperate for content right now with the movie theaters being closed and and production you know just now beginning to get back into the swing of things with a lot of these shows and a lot of these movies that the producers of content like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all these people started really scrambling to find new stuff to put on here right. to keep people active um, I think we talked about the whole HBO Max thing about, oh, okay, well, they've got Wonder Woman, and that's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's <laughs> well, no, like, I was know, gonna say, to dump it, but, you know, in a couple of weeks is when uh, the Justice League movie comes out, and the wife wants to see that, the extended cut, so we're gonna Well, th- there's a that, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver just restarted last week, so, so there's mm-hmm. that, um, I Yeah, don't... things are beginning to get rolling again, but I've, there I've was, been, um... I've been watching... Like every once in a while, I watch a couple episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Um, Netflix uh, just added a series. Well, they added two things that I was really interested in. One um, was the history of swearing with Nicolas Cage. I haven't watched that yet, but I want to. <laughs> and, and I don't know if we talked about this, but um, I'm a no. little disappointed in it. Because you know what, if you want, I'll, I'll if you want to wait on this conversation, I'll watch it. And we can come back to it, or if not, that's fine too. Well, I mean, I will just say this: I am disappointed in it in that there is lots of swearing, but not as much history as I would have liked. 
Um, so they're swearing just for the sake of swearing. Well, I mean, and they, they talk about the swear words and like the uses of them. But I mean, like I, I really nerd on like the etymology of swear words. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but then the the other one Netflix added is a documentary series called uh, Spycraft. I haven't watched that one yet either. Oh, there's some, it is some that is good. Um, it is very just talking about like some of the dark technology revolving around spycraft. Uh, the second episode is just all about assassination and all of the just insanely terrible ways the Russian government has assassinated defectors. Um, almost unique, like almost completely all Russian and now they've assassinated defectors. Um, so was it worth watching? Should I give it a shot? Oh yeah. Yeah. Super informative. So you're watch that and don't bother watching the history of swear. Words. No, no, you can watch the history of swear words. Cause it's hilarious. I mean, I mean okay. it, it's, it is really funny. I am just like, I wish they would have done a little more history on it, but I mean like, yeah, mm-hmm. just Nicholas cage being Nicholas cage for all the swear words is wonderful. Um, <laughs> It, remi- um, it reminds me watching. of it reminds me of in the Jay and Silent Bob the animated series DVD special features, uh, like Jay and Silent Bob intro every episode, and when they're introing the first episode, Jay's like, "Because we couldn't swear in this show, I would just like to make up for it right now," and then just goes into this five minute like monologue of fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um. There is a movie that I did watch recently that's newer. It's on uh, Netflix. It's called Midnight Sky, and it has George Clooney in it. And um, it was a pretty neat movie. It didn't cost a whole lot to make. It's directed by George Clooney. He's in it. And it's basically about the, of course, again, something happens to Earth, and people have to go and hide or whatever. There's some kind of an ionizing radiation that's spreading over the planet. And George Clooney is this guy that's stuck in a research station. Everybody leaves and he decides to stay behind. And they're like, well, you have to take these transfusions. They're going to die. They never say what he's dying from. And then he finds this little girl in the installation with him. And the whole time he's trying to reach whatever satellites or whatever out there in space or whatever. At the same time, there is a ship that's coming back from Jupiter. There was a new moon discovered on Jupiter that's capable of supporting life on Earth, uh, life from Earth. And they're trying to set up a colony there. So the whole time... It's one of those like George Clooney. I've noticed he do, when he does these sci-fi movies, he always does really unusual, like strange sci-fi movies where the sci-fi part of it is kind of the back, like the backbone of it, but it's not necessarily the main thrust of the movie. Like he did that with uh, what was the one he did with Sandra Bullock? Uh, was it Gravity? I Gravity. It was. I can't. Remember. Yeah, Gravity. He did another one where it was this old Russian book that uh, I can't remember the name of that one now either where they're on this planet and the planet's like kind of communicating with them and showing his, their, their past and stuff like that. This is another one of those. It's almost an art kind of film, but it's not, but it was a decent movie. Um, well, that, again, I don't want to ruin it, but it's, yeah. it's worth watching if you're looking for entertainment or something well. like that. Um, the last thing I'm watching, if I may, oh, go ahead. is uh, I'm watching catch 22 on Hulu. If anybody out there has Hulu and I don't know if anybody's actually read the, um, the, the novel by Joseph Heller, it's this dark satirical comedy um, it's kind of like if you're a fan of the paranoia role-playing game, it's just like 
like the concept of the movie and the story, the book was catch 22 was a catch that this guy is a bomber pilot and he wants to not fly any more missions. The only way you can not fly missions is to request that you don't fly missions anymore, which cause that, that would mean you were crazy. Um, but the, they can say, well, if you're asking to not fly missions anymore, then obviously you're not crazy. So therefore you're capable of flying more missions. So it's, it's, that's the catch 22. Like if it, but if you want to fly more missions, then obviously you're crazy, but you can't be grounded from flying more bomber missions because, because if you're asking to be grounded, then you, you know, you're rational, you're rational enough to recognize that you don't want to do it, which exactly. means you're not crazy. So, it's actually pretty cool. Again, it's got George Clooney in it. He plays a minor role in it, um, but it's actually directed by him. It's got Hugh Laurie in it. Um, you know, it's got House in it, the guy who plays House. Um, it's got a bunch of really cool people in it. It's got some like they're not A-list actors and stuff, but they're similarly cool actors. Where you reckon you reckon you watch and you go, oh hey, I recognize that guy, and it's actually a really enjoyable show. The book itself is very dark comedy, like you read it, and because it's a lot of like, you know, this this concept of like people are being trained to go into combat, but they don't have the proper guns to go into combat with. So they have to say bang when they pull their guns out and stuff like that. And they don't have actual grenades. So they have to throw potatoes and pretend like they're setting off grenades, but they're not actually, you know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of logic, like right. absurdity, just absurdity kind of thing. But the show itself really isn't that it doesn't really have that dark satirical comedy that the actual story does, but it's still a very good show. Um, I think you might like it because you're such an old war buff, like, you know, like myself, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so if you have, a, if you have Hulu and you have a chance to watch it, I highly recommend going out and checking it out. Um, but it's not like the book. It's, it's good, but it's not, if you're a fan of the book, you might not be a fan of the show because it only loosely follows the skeletal ideal of what the book was, which right. is more or less, um, an analogy of how ridiculous war was for the most part, you know, just different crazy stuff like that oh, and man. the show really doesn't follow it that much but it's still an excellent show to watch yeah i've been guilty of especially the last month or so adding way more books to my to read pile than i've been reading to dig into the pile mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm in the same boat i've got books for my show that i have to read which is one of the reasons why i said i want to take the next couple of episodes off because i really need to concentrate on my show a little bit more so <laughs> Well, we'll we'll find somebody to fill in for you, so it's oh, not just just me so talking to myself. You don't hear me for a couple episodes. It's just because I'm like super busy, so you know. But I'm still here. <laughs> and totally not because I tricked him down into my basement for a bottle of Amontillado and then bricked him into a wall. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Just, so, <laughs> do you want to cover the uh, "All Your Base Are Belong to Us" video? Is twenty years old now? You want to you want to do that one? If you want, I'll just read the article I got in front of me because that's that's 20 years old now. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, it's like 20 years ago that this meme came out. And back then, the Internet wasn't what it is now. Like, we see memes like memes now come and go so quickly, especially with things like TikTok and and fate. like the Bernie Sanders meme. It burned really, really bright and it was really funny. But now it's kind of starting to die now, you know, so we're like everybody's looking for the next big meme, you mm -hmm. know. Whereas 20 years ago, memes, when they became big, they lasted a little bit longer. Oh, my God. The, the, I remember like four years of cats asking for cheeseburgers. Yes, Ken has cheeseburger. Um, Nan cat. Nan cat. If you remember The little Pop-Tart cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ceiling so ceiling were... kitty is watching you masturbate. I just saw somebody. Yes. I just saw somebody uh, yesterday, in, or not yesterday, Wednesday 
in a chat I was going and their their profile picture was the ceiling kitty. And I was like, oh, I remember that meme. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So memes were different back then. So you have the all your base are belong to us, which is a huge nerd meme, you know, and it all came from a video game. So I'm going to read the article from Kotaku. Uh, Kota, Kota, yeah, sure, Kotaku. I can't talk right now. Because, Kota, hey, I've got Kotaku. Time. Yeah, you, you had it yeah. close the first time. Kotaku. Uh, now, again, these are not my words. This is just the article that I'm reading. So I'm going to try to ring through this here with uh, on one read because I have dyslexia. The early aughts were a weird time. George H.W. Bush's loser son somehow became president. God-awful bands like Crazy Town and Stained had songs in the Billboard Hot 100. I happen to like both Crazy Town and Stained. I uh, and can't we, think <laughs> of a single song either of them ever did. In, oh, in you, fact, you know if you heard them. You know stained. I'm on the inside. I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. I can see through you. Through, whatever. I'm not going to say yeah. it. <laughs> um, you'd know it if you heard it. Anyways, uh, we may do with like one meme a year. In 2001, that meme was all your base uh, belonged to us. Newgrounds video that ironically saw Newgrounds. That was that was where we went. Oh, to get man. So many good memories yeah. of Newgrounds. Uh, exactly that was there were so many good things there i remember nights that me and my buddy would just sit around and we would get drunk and go to new grounds on, on all the time and, and like once a week and just sit in front of the computer and find this stupid stuff it wasn't like now so there'd be like three of us huddled around the computer it was at my sister's house and it was me her husband and one of our buddies and she'd be trying to sleep and we'd be in the next room laughing our ass off at all the stuff we found on new grounds okay uh, new grounds that ironically celebrated the poor japanese to english translation of toplan's 1992 mega drive game Zero Wing. Today, that video is officially 20 years old. As with most things of that era, era, it's hard to pin down which website or message board first popularized, popularized the absurdity of Zero Wing intro. Like most internet culture at the time, it made its way into something, some, something awful forums, which predated places like 4chan and Reddit as a hub for, for anonymous online discussion and general jackassery. Soon general after the intro, jackassery. General jackassery. That is a great description for what our show is. Oh, What's your show about? General Jack Acidry. Man, that is, that uh, is that is going to be like my next like military based uh, RPG character. General Jack Acidry. <laughs> Can I play Major Douche? Um, that's actually a Pussifer character. I can't do that. Soon after the intro was parodied in a song by something awful poster and musician Jeffrey Ray Roberts, which in turn was used as the basis for a video by Bad CRC who crowdsourced edited images of zero wing lines in real world, loca real world locations and advertisements of plaster over Robert's thumping techno track. The original All Your Bass video was uploaded to Flash Depository Newgrounds on February 16th, 2001. Flash is now dead now. Flash, for the longest time, was the program that everybody used to make all kinds of really cool cartoon videos. Um there was the uh, the the super bad the superflies. If I don't know if you remember them, oh. great. Yo yo man, check this out. I've got a stuffed one of those. Because I did flies this to your mama. Yeah, your mama. Happens. So yeah, I actually bought one of those, and it still works to this day. I just got to clean it up every once in a while and change the batteries on it. So I've got one of those stupid blue flies. Getting back to the article though, uh, blah, 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 blah. all your base are belong was uploaded to Flash Depository New Grounds on February 16, thousand one, and instantly rocketed to the collective conscious with ridiculous dialogue. Somebody set up, somebody set up us the bomb. Someone set us <laughs> up the bomb. Ha 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 ha! For great justice. Yeah, 
You have no chance to survive. Make your time. And of course, all your base are belong to us. Some of that. I almost considered ironically when we and you were coming together to do this podcast, what we were going to name it. I thought about naming it all your podcast are belong to us. But oh, God, yeah, yeah, already, yeah. There's probably like a line of yeah. people who have already used that one. Yeah, so I was like, well, that's not going to work. Some of which uttered by a sinister character named Katz, capital C, capital A, capital T, capital S, period. It garnered millions of views, a huge number uh, in the time before YouTube. Uh, that's right, because this was before YouTube. Like, YouTube now is this big thing. You know, I remember when YouTube first started, like, you could find whatever you wanted on YouTube. You still can. But it's not as it's not as easy now, like because people could just load whatever they want. Whenever a new album would come out, the whole album would be uploaded to YouTube. Um, the imagery photo, the, uh, the the imagine the imaginary photos in the video soon became reality as the website for the San Francisco Chronicle, USA Today, The Guardian, and Wired published stories on its popularity. When students in North Carolina University hacked into a local news station's weather reporting system in 2004, "All your base are belong to us" is one of the phrases they used to di as digital graffiti. And now, 20 years later, it still pops up from time to time thanks to folks like billionaire dork Elon Musk and Congresswoman Alexandra or uh, Cortez. I can't read. I'm trying. I really am here, folks. <laughs> you think this is bad? You should listen to my show. While its cultured cachet may not be the same as the two decades ago, All Your Base was an important precursor to the meme-filled World Wide Web we know today. Uh, it saw desperate creators come together to an illiterate in a singular joke, making everything from music to elaborately edited photos and animations to celebrities and a few silly lines from obscure important Genesis games. Uh, All your base is indic indicative of an era when the Internet felt like a wild frontier rather than a place of business owned by a few massive corporations. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go try to wrap my head around the fact that it's been 20 years since I first saw this video. Take uh, take off every zig for a great for great justice. Oh. Da, 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 da. So for yeah, great justice. Um, yeah, I remember. Um, I remember all of those old days. Oh of man, those really memes and stuff. And now for something completely different. I do want to touch on real quick. Um, in last episode, we talked about the uh, the Reddit our uh, or our Wall Street bets versus uh, Wall Street. There was a Senate hearing on it this I week. I zero attention to this, so you're going to be giving me firsthand news here. Oh, dude. Because, in my opinion, hearings are basically useless. It's just somebody coming in and saying, yeah, blah, 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 Oh, blah, no, no, blah, we're, we're, we're going we're to get to this. It's like, because right, yeah. I sat and watched four hours of this entire Senate hearing. Um, and, and it was the biggest shit show I've ever witnessed. Um... First off, it's the Senate, it was the, not the Senate, it's the House Committee on Finance, which there's like 60 members on this community, or 50 to 60 members on this. They all get five minutes to ask questions, but that's it. So it's the people who are testifying before it are the guy who was the one on Wall Street Bets. Um, his username, I think is our roaring kitty. So, <laughs> so yes, they had to enter into the, they had to enter into the congressional record that testifying was this guy also known as roaring kitty. Oh my God. <laughs> sitting in a game of Thrones computer chair 
with a picture on his back wall of the kitty cat motivational poster going hang in there. Wow. It was, it was amazing. Um, and for the entire four hours, like I think he only spoke for maybe 10 minutes. He got five minutes of opening remarks and then nobody wanted questions to him. Everybody wanted to talk to the CEO of Robin Hood or Vlad the Investor. Because his first name is literally Vlad. He's from Budapest and looks like fucking Dracula. <laughs> like greased, what? very white complexion, greased back hair. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Vlad the Investor. The Investor... Uh, just go. <laughs> there's memes, of course. There's memes. Oh, of dude. Of course, there's memes. So, so the Wall Street Bets Discord community live tweeted this. This, er, I had the Discord chat going and this going, and then at one point I stopped watching the uh, hearing and was just listening to that, so I could watch the video of the Perseverance rover landing. It was like super meta going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does look like he looks, does look very Nordic. He does look very European. Yeah, very um, Eastern European, and, and yeah, from Budapest. It's like, is, is this guy Dracula? This guy kind of looks like Dracula. Oh, um, then there were the CEOs of two of the hedge funds were testifying. Um, the first guy was so ob- so obviously reading from a teleprompter. It was really funny. The camera is in front of him. He never once makes eye contact with the camera. He's always looking Mm -hmm. above the camera, and you can see his pupils moving left to right as he's reading. And sometimes he'll slow down because they're typing the lines to feed him, and he's got to wait for it to catch up. (laughs) Um, Today I'm going to talk to you about the investments that we made um, uh, in regards to right. GameStop. <laughs> and the other the other CEO of one of the hedge funds is looks like they rented out an abandoned office for him to do this video conference in. So it's it's your stereotypical office. There's blank outlets on the wall where it looks like a monitor was supposed to be hung and they took it off. The uh-huh. only thing in the room is like a late 2000s vintage laser jet printer. If it were me, this is what I would have done. I would have gone out and I would have got that couch that's in all of the porn videos. You know that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. That cast. couch. The casting couch. Yeah. So, uh, so then, so those are all the people who are testifying. And then there's a couple other people who are like experts in the field And then all these senators get like five minutes or all these representatives get five minutes to ask questions. And they all fall into maybe one of four categories. There's the people who are just grandstanding, that they are just there to try and make a political point and try and make the hedge funds look bad. Then you have the opposite number, who are the people who are there to literally just orally fillet the Wall Street people the people who are grandstanding would ask the Wall Street people to answer yes or no. And then they would try to explain answers instead of giving a yes or no answer because they have to explain themselves and people would get pissed off. Well, then the the second class of senators would go in and be like, oh, well, I know this 
I keep calling them senators, but they're all members from the House of Representatives. And the first, these representatives would come in and be like, well, I know those other people were just trying to force you to answer, so we'll let you talk. And we know you're, you're a good person and, and just so, like, basically just blowing the Wall Street people. Then there's the class of senators who have absolutely no idea any of this works and are just there to try and make themselves relevant when they have absolutely no idea what's going on. Like, one of the other people who was testifying was one of the CEOs of Reddit. And one of the representatives are like, well, how do you know that these people on Reddit aren't Russian uh, foreign actors trying to crash the stock market? It's like, uh, we don't. Okay, this is this is one of the things like our our political system with the people that are in the political system right now is so woefully behind in so many ways because there's so many people that just don't understand at all because the people going on yeah, with the technology. people who are making the people who are making policy about things have absolutely no idea how these things work. But the final and the final group of representatives are the absolutely most hilarious. And they are the old people who have relatives who bought GameStop stock. And they're like, it's like, I'm sitting here and I'm testifying and my son in the other room, he bought shares of GameStop and like trying to like trying to bring in the fact that somebody they knew was wrapped up in this and just trying to be relevant that way. Yeah, it's it's pointless. Like, it, what, it was it was what entertaining. What the of these hearings supposed to do? So the point like, of, Yeah, the point I of mean, these what, what is going to happen because of these hearings? So, this is the first hearing on this issue and it was brought to the finance committee so that they could investigate what happened because this could ha- because these big hedge funds had to take in billions of dollars of capital. And because Robinhood prevented people from buying, that artificially pushed the price of the stocks down, which means indirectly they caused people to lose a lot of money. Gotcha. So the hearings are going to do what, though? All they're going to say is, tell us what happened. That's it. Is it going to change the laws? This is a fact-finding part of it. So it was... All the senators get five minutes to ask a question, and half that time is them grandstanding, half of that time, and the people who they're asking the questions have to answer within the five minutes per senator. So it's useless. Like, nothing's getting done. Like, by the time these people give their long-winded question, their time's up, and the person can't even provide an answer half the time. Now the, the other, next the only he- time I've ever seen this, not to cut you off, oh, the only time I've ever seen anything come out of this of any good was when that hedge fund billionaire prick decided to raise Martin Scarelli, the farmer. Yeah, the not want and bought a Wu Tang record uh, for like huge exorbitant sums of money. That was the only time I've ever seen these hearings have any kind of an impact because that guy was such a douchebag. The f- he, he was couldn't... officially titled by the Im- internet. Pharma bro. Yeah. And he ended up going to jail. Um, and he was just like laughing in court and not taking it seriously at all. Um, but then again, you know, the guy's like, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, I well, have yeah. the right to it, do this. It was know. he he went to Club Fed. He paid a fine that was significantly less than the amount of money that he made. And 
in the end, he was released from prison last year early because of the COVID pandemic. He was one of the people who was released from prison. Um, but the next fa- the next hearing is going to be um, the the head of the SEC is appointed by the president, so Biden has to appoint a new chairman of the SEC, and then that person will testify. Uh, the head of the NASDAQ will testify. All the people who are like the the real people who make policy are going to happen in the next the next hearing. But in the end, the one thing that was made clear is the market adjusted itself. In the end, yeah, for those two days, it, it did a lot of stuff, but everything's just moving as normal now. It, it was just a weird day on the stock market. Um, well, they're butt hurt because they lost all this money. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and they were, they were gamed by, by gamers. Right. And, and that was the thing is, but they, they survived. It's like they took in this big influx of capital and they covered their positions and now it's over with. Um, even the, like for all intents and purposes, the, the guy who's in charge of Robin hood, uh, Vlad, he's like, this was a one in 3.5 million chance of what could happen. It was just basically the perfect storm of a stock skyrocketing and they had to close down trading because the people they get the stocks from wanted more capital to cover all the trading that was being done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not probably not explaining this well, but it, it no, it, I get it. But ultimately yeah. like it won't happen again. No, because they've already learned how to prevent it from happening. Oh again. yeah. They're and already putting people out there to go out and throw, you know, gum up the works on Reddit and things like, Oh, that. It, the, uh, the head, the CEOs of the hedge funds freely admit that they now have people whose sole duty is to monitor Reddit. And to find exactly. things that are going like to mine Reddit with bot programs anytime a stock's mentioned on Reddit in these Reddit forums that now they'll know about it. So but the thing is, so, though, is once you know it's like the Matrix. Once you know the rules of how the Matrix works, you can fuck with it. Right. So now we know, I say we, but I'm not a part of this, but the people on Reddit and all this stuff know that this stuff is going on. So <laughs> So you know, shortly after this, um, there appeared a new subreddit called Our Wall Street Bets New. And a bunch of people moved to that because everybody's watching the first one and now they're just like, yeah, we're in a new place now. And it's, yeah, but it's just going to move underground. Yeah, it, it's it, it's, so that's, that's the thing is they know the first threat or they know the first subreddit is being watched, so they make a new one. Yeah. And exactly. while they're struggling to catch, or while the big businesses are struggling to catch up, the internet's agile. It changes and moves, and that's why it's so hard to regulate it um, with laws. Because politicians and the government move so slow. Yeah, it's it's... I want to see more of this. It's like I said last time, you have a generation of people that were brought up playing massive multiplayer games like World of Warcraft that have their own economies, that have auction houses and things like that. And when with these video games, there's people out there that game that learn how these systems work to game the system. Mm -hmm. So I always want to see these people and be like, okay, 
if you can do that here, what can we do in the real world? Like, to, to like I want to see, I want to see the guys who play Eve Online. So Eve Online, the in-game economy is entirely run by players. So let those people who have generated this pretty much fake economy and run this fake economy in this game to the point where it has a monetary value and the in-game currency has a monetary value because you can trade the in-game currency for your monthly fee in the game. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, um, I forget what they're called, but it's like a monthly pilot's license costs $10 in the game but you can buy it with in-game currency for a fluctuating amount of money. So if you can mm -hmm. buy it in-game for 14 million credits, you know that 14 credits equals $10. And so they, they so that's why whenever the, there's these articles about when these giant battles in EVE Online happen, and they'll say, well, $32,000 of real-world money was destroyed in these ships that people made because of this being able to buy real world things with that currency, they know how much it takes in game to build these giant ships and how much that equals to in real world currency. And I love it. I love reading those stories. Game the system in there. Like there was something that happened and some, somebody lost a huge shit ton of money in the game completely. And, you know, and the game was like, yeah, they were like, yeah, it didn't break the game. It didn't do any damage. We're going to let this stand. So, <laughs> oh, OK, we're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about EVE Online because it's it's a game I've never played, but it's a game I'm fascinated with. Um, Same here. I've never played it, never been interested, but I'm I love hearing the story. Like, like there are the stories of. There. So in, instead of clans, the players get together and they form corporations and these corporations will go to war. And it's one of those things where you have, as a person running a corporation, you have people who are dedicated counter-espionage, who are vetting the people who join your corporation to make sure they're not double agents, because that happens. Mm -hmm. There happened a thing where a guy infiltrated a corporation working for another corporation, got high in their circles, and then ended up opening up all their bases to the rival, the clan he was originally aligned to and completely destroying the corporation he infiltrated. Mm -hmm. um, you will, as when you're in a corporation, you have to have people who in your corporation who are monitoring in all time zones, because what happened was early in the game's history, um, there were a lot of people playing in Russia and Russia's on a completely different time schedule. So when the Russian people are awake, they would make all these player moves because they knew that the people in America who were playing were asleep because of the time difference. So the people in America either had to adjust to completely play on the Russian sleep schedule or they had to have people in their clan who were on the Russian sleep schedule. And when they noticed the Russian corporations were moving, they would send out an email chain and people would wake up and they'd have to get on their computers because shit was going down in Eve. Because mm -hmm. so, lots of money was going to get lost. Right. Because, yeah. People spend so much money building these massive ships and, and, and like, it's real world money. It's got, like, a real, real world viable actual economy. Mm -hmm. So... 
there was a there was a period where in the economic strife of Venezuela um, after the communist takeover in Venezuela, their currency had been devalued to the point where Warcraft gold was worth more than the Venezuelan dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, what? That, that got me thinking. Like that was I was going to bring that up. Like, I wonder how many times where you've had economies in the world go down to a point where the counterpart online currency is actually worth more than the actual real physical economy of a country. So, yeah, when well, you when you have you know these Let's, um, when you have these hyperinflation events, yeah. Oh, I, was... I do want to ask you about something though. Oh, go ahead. Um, which is totally off topic. No, that's the, okay. The Gilmore Girls Sopranos paradox. Oh my god. I was unaware of this. So, I guess this... let's just wrap the show up with that. Uh, I have a folder in the podcast uh, Google Drive called the bin of um and it's one of those when we have nothing else we can think of to talk about, go in this folder and there's little things in there that we can talk about. And one of the things is the Gilmore, the Gilmore Sopranos paradox. So mm-hmm. it posits that in season six, episode four, an episode of The Sopranos, um, an episode of The Gilmore Girls is playing on the TV. In season seven, episode 17 of The Gilmore Girls... Uh, one of the characters is wearing a tracksuit, and Lorelai, the main character, makes a joke about about it by asking if he's having lunch with Tony Soprano. So this obviously means that both The Sopranos and The Gilmore Girls exist as television shows in the other's respective universe. But more alarmingly, this means that each universe has now become a televised universe of itself within their own universe. When the Gilmore girls watch The Sopranos, they will see themselves in the show. Likewise, when Tony Soprano watches The Gilmore Girls, he will witness a direct reference to himself. It's like the effect of two mirrors facing each other's. The universes of The Gilmore Girls and The Sopranos infinitely replicate all the way down. So, Tony Soprano's in his home watching the Gilmore girls and in the show of the Gilmore girls, they reference the show Sopranos and he himself, Tony Soprano. Mm -hmm. So so imagine you're watching a TV show as a sitcom and they reference you personally in it. And you're like, do, 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 do." it makes you aware that it's, it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. It It breaks aware that you are the sitcom. Yeah. (laughs) Are you the sitcom? Are they the sitcom? What's going yes, on? Exactly. Yes. Are you the sitcom or are they the sitcom? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 this weird moment, and it's it's Wandavision before there was Wandavision. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and it get, it gets into the whole theory of parallel universes. Is it like could this be a Mandela effect moment? Like, really, one day could we turn on the TV and see a sitcom of ourselves, or just see somebody in a sitcom wearing a T-shirt with our face on it? Like, what would that be? Who would play us in sitcoms? Who would, who would be, would it be, well, in that situation, would it actually be us just acting out on the screen, you know? And then at that point you're sitting there going, man, is somebody actually watching me with a camera right now broadcasting my life to, is my life a reality show in another world? Oh, fuck. Are we, are we in the Truman show? God, I hated that movie. (laughs) I hated that movie. I hope I have good ratings. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, or like I apologize uh, for my sex scenes. <laughs> or like that the episode of South Park where they found out that Earth is a reality show. 
We are to, we are today one month away from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Oh, um, and then after that, the Loki show. Have you watched the preview for the Loki show? Um, unless they've dropped a new trailer. I watched the first one they put out like a couple of months ago. But oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. That looks really cool. So good. That looks like it's going to be really good. Yeah. So, uh, but the Marvel has said to treat these shows as if you were watching a movie, which I've said before how good of a production they've put into it. You can tell, like, when they did this, like, I'll give them, again, everybody was like, oh, Disney buying all these properties. This isn't good. I kind of think it is. Yes, they do have a lot of control over Hollywood, but for the most part, they are releasing very good quality, consistent quality products mm-hmm. that are enjoyable to watch. And when something doesn't work right and something doesn't go right, Disney's very good at course correcting to fix the problem and just make it go away and make you forget about it. And they'll say, okay, they're very responsive. If that didn't work, let's try this now. Let's just kind of like put that, like the, the Inhumans. We're never going to hear about the Inhumans ever again. That's just going to vanish from the mythos because nobody liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I am... I really, really want Coulson back. I think Coulson will be back. I, I, hope I, so. I believe that he will be. I really want Coulson back. Yeah, he's one of those staples that's the thing about Coulson that pumps me out, especially with Agents of Shield, throughout the Marvel movies, we were led to believe that Coulson was this badass. There was a scene where he gets into this, this party store and he gets into a fight and he takes a bag of flour and he beats the shit out of this guy with it. Like Coulson was this really cool badass guy. Agents of Shield comes along. And he's very vanilla. Still cool, but nowhere near the badass that he was in the movies. Mm. They kind of sidetracked him a little bit. And it was kind of like, oh, all right. Yeah, I guess so. This this wasn't the Coulson that we got in the movies, but yeah. whatever. You know? <laughs> you know? So so, so know, fing- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we'll see him. But we'll, uh, we only got, I think, three episodes of WandaVision left. And then we'll do a big kind of breakdown of all of WandaVision. And then by that time, it'll roll right into the Winter Soldier. So yeah, the, the, there's three episodes left though, right? And those ones are all supposed to be hour long episodes from yes. this point on. So this was yeah. episode seven. So episodes eight, nine, and ten will all be hour episodes. Yeah, um, I'm real curious where this is going to go and end up now at this point. So keep an eye out for that in the future. But right now, this is John Patrick MCP. And this is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take on. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaky! All right, come on! Nothing to see here! Please disperse! Nothing to see here!
something to see here, please.